Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. It's so good to be in God's house today to worship the Lord, to sing praises to Him. Regardless of what's going on this week, some of us have probably had a good week, some of us have had a tough week, some of us have had a mediocre week. But the bottom line is this, Jesus has been in the middle of all of our week, no matter what kind of week it has been. Today we are going to be beginning a new series today called Delivered. And notice that the word live is highlighted because, highlighted because I believe to live we must be delivered, amen? We must be delivered. I need your help to preach today. We're, we're missing some people, so I need you to get a little more involved than normal today. So uh, I was going around asking some questions this morning, uh, and I got some good responses, but I'm going to ask again, and I want to see what you may have thought of since I mentioned it earlier. What is it hard to wait for? What would you say? This is where you can give me some feedback. It's okay. What's hard for you to wait for? Chad, how about you? Dinner time. Dinner time. Dinner time. Amen. Sometimes it's hard to... Uh, buddy back there in the tech booth, he's going to agree with that. It's hard to wait for dinner time. It's hard to just... Ha have you ever been somewhere and you smell barbecue meat cooking? You know what I'm talking about? And you're going... Mmm, that smells so good. And you're like, I don't know if I can wait. Yes, sir. A new baby. That's a hard thing to wait for. I mean, each and every day you're, you're anticipating being that mom or dad and holding that baby. for That's hard to wait for. It really is. What's another thing that's hard to wait for? Good answer right there. Bedtime. Bedtime. <laughs> Sometimes bedtime sneaks up on me because all I got to do... Sometimes I get home and I just sit down on the couch and I'm out. I am, I am asleep right there. Bedtime has done caught up with me before I have to wait for it. That's a good one. That's a good one. What else is hard to wait for, Brent? Retirement. <laughs> That's a good one. Retirement. Uh, waiting for retirement. Yes, ma'am. Payday. Payday is another good one. That's, it's tough to wait for payday sometimes. Yes, you're pointing. What? Christmas. Christmas is hard for me to wait for. I am a huge Christmas fan, by the way. I love Christmas. And as a matter of fact, this week I was, I was at home. I was sitting at my table and I was doing some work. And Spotify was playing a Stephen Curtis Chapman. And he started singing some Christmas music. And I just let it play and let it play. Christmas in July is okay. We can, we can have Christmas in July, right? I mean, but some things are hard to wait for. A couple of the things that I got responses on was one of them, it's hard to wait for the answer to a prayer sometimes. And it's hard to wait for the return of Jesus Christ. Because we look at our world and how divided it has become all across the world. And we find that we really believe that the return of Christ is not far away. But there are some things that's really hard for us to wait for. I would just be curious if, it, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. Church on Sunday. I like you, Miss Rebecca. I like that answer. That's a good one to throw in there because I agree with you. It's hard to wait on church for Sunday to get here, to be able to get here. And especially during this quarantine, it was so hard to wait to get back into church, to have the doors back open again and be able to come back together as God's people. Because I believe that the church is the hope. It is the light of the world in the midst of crisis. And so today we are here to find some hope, particularly in times when we have to wait and things are difficult. We're going to be in the book of Exodus. Exodus is the second book in the Bible. So if you open up your Bible, it's going to be near the front. 
It's going to be right after Genesis. And if you've been to seminary, I just want to remind you, it is the second book of the Bible for you to be able to find it today. Second book of the Bible. We're going to be in chapter 12 of Exodus today. It's where we're going to be reading from. We're going to be doing an entire series from the book of Exodus. And you know, there are some things that it's hard to wait for. We're going to be reading about a group of people that waited a long time for something, for deliverance. As a matter of fact, they had waited for it. Their grandma had waited for it. Their great-grandma had waited for it. Their great-great-grandma had been waiting for it. It had been going on for a very long time. We're going to be reading. We're going to begin in verse 29 today. And we're going to read some verses and then we're going to jump into this and see what God has for us in these scriptures and kind of uh, flesh out some really good things here. Verse 29, it says, Now it came about at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. Pharaoh arose in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was no home where there was not someone dead. Then he called for Moses and Aaron at night and said, Rise up, get out from among my people, both you and the sons of Israel, and go. Worship the Lord as you have said. Take both your flocks and your herds. As you have said, and go and bless me also. The Egyptians urged the people to send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we will, we will all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened with their kneading bowls bound up in the cloths on their shoulders. Now the sons of Israel had done according to the word of Moses. For they had requested from the Egyptians articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they let them have their request. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Now the sons of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, aside from children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, along with flocks and herds, a very large number of livestock. They baked the dough which they had brought out of Egypt into cakes of unleavened bread. For it were driven out, for it had not become leavened since they were driven out of Egypt and could not delay, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. Now the time that the sons of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. And at the end of 430 years, to the very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. 430 years. They had been waiting for something their entire lifetime. Let me ask you to just consider for a moment. Is there something you've been waiting on for what feels like an entire lifetime? Something that you have been, been longing for for your whole life. 
There's a lot of things that we can talk about. We've mentioned Christmas. We've mentioned payday and, and supper and things of that nature. But these people had been waiting for an entire lifetime for something. 430 years. And it finally came. And as, the, as it said here, which I, I just love in verse 41, to the very day, 430 years to the very day. It wasn't 430 years and two weeks. It was 400, 430 years to the day. Now, there's some things for you to write down today. And there's a significant truth I want us to get out of this very very first, before we dive in really deep here, and that is this, that God's plan is not defined by my timetable. God's plan is not defined by my timetable. I may be wanting something, and I may be wanting it now. Like, have you ever been to the drive through lately, and you've been going, will they hurry up? Has, has anybody besides me ever said that in the drive through Mary Beth, thank you for being honest this morning. That is so true. You get to the drive through and we're so used to getting it now. I want it now. And we order something. We're sitting there, and we're going, what is taking these people so long? And we're in a drive through where it's supposed to be fast, and it's going to be quicker. But yet we're impatient people, aren't we? God's plan is not defined by my timetable of what I think it should fit into. God is not going to work within what I believe should be the, the reality of the outcome and when it should happen. God's got a plan and His timetable is working on His time and His time is eternity, not my time. Remember, there were people who were born and died still waiting for this to happen. This generation that we are reading about right now, they had the fortunate opportunity to see this come to pass. But it took 430 years. See, the Lord's plan is way in advance of ours. You can go back to Genesis chapter 12 where God is actually telling Abraham, He says, and, and your people will go into a foreign nation and be oppressed, but then they will be delivered. God knew what would take place. Even in Genesis when he is talking to Abraham. God has a plan. And it isn't based on our time table. As we look in verse 35, I want to show you something very interesting here. Now the sons of Israel had done according to the word of Moses. For they had requested from the Egyptians articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing. Now we look at this and we're going, wow, that was a pretty good request. That was a good idea. Well, guess who told them to do that? God told Moses that they were supposed to do that. Moses passed that word on to the people. Now, if, if, if it was me, I'd be thinking, okay, I understand the need for clothing. You're about to leave where you're going. You need to pack your bags. You need to have some clothing for where you're going to be going. But what about this gold and silver? Let me tell you about the gold and silver. Later on in the wilderness, which we'll get to, the gold and silver was used for the temple that they would be building that God would give them direction for. God was preparing then for the plan that would happen later. God's preparing something in your life right now for what He has planned for you to come. We have to trust and know that His timetable is not defined by mine. But He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. There is something that He's doing in your life He wants to do that He's going to be doing and you just have to be prepared for it and ready. Second thing is this, is that God's deliverance can follow tragedy. God's deliverance can follow tragedy. I want us to look back at verse 30 for a moment. 
This verse just stands out to me majorly in this section. Pharaoh arose in the night. I want you to picture. Here's a man that went to sleep. Nightfall came. He went to bed. There's been a lot of turmoil going on between he and Moses. And Moses kept coming and asking, God says to let my people go so that we can go worship him. The request was simply just for three days to go and worship God. Let us go out. Pharaoh kept saying, no, no, no. So God would send these plagues. And there were nine plagues that took place. Leading up to this night. Leading up to this moment. Terrible things had come to try to get their attention. His attention. The Egyptians' attention. And they all pointed to the gods that the Egyptians worshipped. Every single one of them. Whenever there were frogs everywhere. They were in the cabinets. They were in their cupboards. They were in their clothes. There were flies. Many things took place that pointed to the gods they worshipped. Even the sun god was darkened out by one of the plagues. But yet he continued to say no. And this night, I'm sure with pride in his heart, he went to sleep. He went to sleep thinking he's the most powerful man in all of Egypt and all of the world. He himself is a god. No one's going to push him around. He lays his head down on a pillow. His eyes get heavy. And soon, he's asleep. But then out of nowhere, there's noises that begin to wake him up. There's crying happening throughout the land. I am sure there were people screaming and hollering. Because read in verse 30. Pharaoh arose in the night. He and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt. People were screaming and hollering and yelling. What is this cry about? It was because for there was no home where there was not someone dead. What a great tragedy. The firstborn of so many died that night because they would not listen to the directions of the Lord. You know, you may wonder and you may ask and you may even think, why did the children have to die and suffer? Why would that have to take place? Well, let me ask you this question along with that, if that's something that you ponder. Because I've pondered that same question. Why would the children have to suffer and die? Why would a child have to die that's in the car of a man who has drank too much, driven too fast, and crashed into a tree and a child dies? Why could that child not have been saved or rescued or kept from that? That child would have died because... Because that man had made a choice to drink and drink too much. 
So as we look at this, we have to understand that God can do a great work, but sometimes there is consequences in people's actions. And Pharaoh and others had made a decision to say no to God and refuse to follow his way. And so in that, it came to a point where God did not begin with death, but it was that thing that would cause people to cry out and finally make the choice to do as God had asked. Oh, let me warn you, my friend, don't get to that point. Don't resist God so much and what he's asking of you and where he's leading you that he has to bring you to a place where you must ask and seek God because you're at the bottom and you're weeping. So as we see this, we can also see that in this tragedy, there is deliverance for God's people. Because in verse 30, as there's not even a home anywhere there's, where there's not someone dead, Pharaoh calls Moses and Aaron in the middle of the night. Go get Moses and Aaron, he said. And so they come. And I want you to notice three things that Pharaoh tells them. Rise up, get out, and go. I want to talk about an eviction. Rise up. Get out and go. You can circle those in your Bible if you want. Those are emphatic actions he is asking them to do. Rise up, get out from among my people, both you and the sons of Israel, and go worship the Lord. So it's one of those things where, where God has worked. There's a tragedy that took place, but in the midst of this tragedy, there is deliverance that is happening. And can I tell you, there may be bad things happening in your life. There may be bad things that come your way. But can I offer you some hope that God can bring greater deliverance and victory through tragedy sometimes than you ever imagined. So here we can see this taking place. Even the Egyptians, because they're awake, remember, there's nobody asleep because there is death everywhere in the land. And in verse 33, the Egyptians urged the people to send them out of the land in haste. Get out of here. Because if you don't get out of here, we're all going to wind up dying is in essence what they're saying. So God's deliverance can follow tragedy that comes into our lives. Verse 36. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have the request. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Now, what's, what's interesting in verse 37, it says there are 600,000 men. One commentator said this, said that in rough calculations, that would equal probably about 2 million people. Because the 600,000 men would be soldier-ready men. That doesn't count the children. That doesn't count the women. It doesn't count the other people that went with them. Did you notice? It, it's not just... The, the children of Israel that left. There were some people that actually went with them as they were leaving. So roughly 2 million people leave the city that night. They gather their stuff and they go. They had seen a lot of things take place over the last several days and weeks. They had lived with a mindset. This is just where we are. This is just who we are. This is just the way it's going to be. 
But yet the Lord is the one who brought about the situation and the conditions to bring real change and to absolutely change everything. See, that's something I want you to grab hold of. This is the hope for us to grasp today. A hope to be grasped that you can write down and make sure you get this. Because this makes the difference overall. That the Lord will bring a new day out of the impossible in our lives. And I want you to pay attention to the first two, two words. The Lord. And then the third one, will. The Lord will. I'm reminded of Ephesians where it goes through a list of how we were once enslaved by sin and that we were lost, that we were, we, we were followers of Satan and we were building his kingdom. And then there's this verse that says, but God. Today, you may be facing difficulties, but I'm here to declare to you a new hope. And that hope is that no matter how difficult it may get, there can be deliverance and victory in a new day, but it's going to come through the Lord and not through us. We cannot put our hope in men's institutions. We have to put our hope in the Lord and the Lord alone. We see him working here in verse 36. And the Lord had given the people favor in the eyes of the Egyptians. The Lord had given them that favor. It wasn't because the people were good people or, or they dressed nice or they looked good or, or they were wearing the right clothes or drove the right cars. It was because the Lord had given them favor. The Lord's the one that works on our behalf. We don't have to work so hard when the Lord is working for us. We can hold on to know that the Lord is in the midst. Even in verse 29 we can see. And this is a puzzling part of us in, in you know, America going, now how could the Lord do this? But in verse 29, now it came about at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn. The Lord was the one doing the work. The Lord was the one that was, even in the midst of that tragedy, was working out deliverance and victory. We have to trust Him that He's doing something greater than we ever thought imaginable. I cannot imagine that night myself. The children of Israel had listened to Moses as he had said, I want you to sacrifice a lamb. Get a lamb and I put the blood on the doorposts. On the left, the right, and the top. And you go inside and you eat every bit of that lamb. Was it a magic lamb? Was it magic blood? No. It wasn't so much the sacrifice as it was their obedience. They followed what the Lord said. And why do we follow what God says? It's because it's, it's a show that we trust Him. We trust what the Lord has said when we obey Him. When we refuse to do what He's asked, it's, it's refusal to show that we have trust and faith in Him. We must be careful. But here we can see the Lord struck all the firstborn. The children of Israel had listened. And it wasn't just the Egyptians that had to suffer. What about the ones that were, were in the dungeon? Even in the prison, God's hand had reached and brought tragedy so that there could be great victory at the end of it. This isn't very popular. It doesn't sound nice and, and comfortable to say the Lord did this. But in the midst of this tragedy, the Lord was bringing some great victory in the lives of an entire nation that had been waiting 
430 years. That's a long time, folks. 430 years ago from this day, there were no cell phones. There were no computers. There weren't any padded chairs to sit in if you went to church. There were no air conditions, no water fountains, no water bottles. There weren't any cars that you could get there in air conditions. 430 years ago, do you understand that was before Abraham Lincoln was born? 430 years ago, think about how far that would have been. That's a long time, ladies and gentlemen. They had waited. And this was the generation. This generation was the one that got to experience the deliverance. They had heard grandma talk about it. They had heard people mention that it was possible. But it just seemed to be impossible. They were living in a society and in a, an environment that just seemed to be impossible. But God can take the impossible and make it possible. There is nothing impossible with God. God had a virgin give birth to the Son of God who lived and died so that He could set us free from sin. That happened 2,000 years ago and we're a fortunate generation that we get to take part of that which Christ has offered for us. Today, we can wait for a lot of things, but let me tell you, the greatest thing to wait for is to see Jesus face to face. Whether it's after we breathe our last breath or He returns in the clouds of glory, whichever one it is, that's the greatest thing to be waiting for. And see, where we set our minds on what we wait for will reveal where our hearts are set. Today, what must I do? What must we do with... This truth that is in Exodus chapter 12, this powerful story that we can see the Lord working in, in their lives and bringing about victory out of tragedy. And, and we can see how God had given favor. What do we do with this? Well, I believe we can find some really good truths here today. In chapter 12, verse 47, all the congregation of Israel are to celebrate this. Celebrate this. But if a stranger sojourns with you and celebrates the Passover to the Lord. There's, there's a word there that I think is important. It's celebrate. I want you to also notice in, in Exodus chapter 13 verse 3. There's a word there. In verse 3 of chapter 13. Moses said to the people. Remember this day in which you went out from Egypt. From the house of of slavery for by a powerful hand the Lord brought you out from this place there's two words remember and celebrate we need to remember and celebrate my deliverance my deliverance from sin my deliverance from evil my deliverance from being guided having to be guided by this world and the evil one Jesus died on a cross so that we can live eternally. And the scriptures right here, God points his people after the victory and deliverance to remember and to celebrate. And we need to do the same thing. And there's another really interesting thing that takes place in chapter 13. 
that just stuck out to, stuck out to me that I want to bring to your attention. It's in verse 8. And I believe this is a word for us because this is something we don't often do. Verse 8 of chapter 13. You shall tell your son on that day saying, It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. You want to know what verse 8 is? Verse 8 is opening our mouth and telling someone about our deliverance that we want to remember and celebrate. I'll never forget when I was about six years old. I had an uncle and an aunt. They did not know Jesus. As a matter of fact, here's my, my memory of my uncle. Every time we'd go over to his house, he would be down in the woods, and we would go down to the woods where he was at, in which he would be dead dog drunk. He would be drunk. That was my only experience of being around someone drunk. But this guy was always drunk. And whenever my mom or dad or anybody would try to talk to him about heaven, he didn't want to go. He wanted to be with his daddy in hell. It's heartbreaking. But one night, one evening, I remember my mom and dad had talked them into going to see the preacher. Because they wanted my aunt and my uncle to know Jesus. And so... My mom and dad took my aunt and uncle to the preacher's house where he lived. And while he's there, he begins to share the gospel about how you can know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And how you can be born again. My cousins wanted me to go outside and play with them. And I love to play. And I love to play with my cousins. And, but that night, I just couldn't do it. I stayed inside. And that preacher shared the gospel. And I listened. Now here's the funny part about my story. Is that when finally it came time for us to pray and we got all got on our knees in his living room and I knelt down at his couch. I put my head down at his couch, Chad, and I'm going to be very honest with you. Don't tell anybody else, but I fell asleep while he was praying. While he's praying, I fell asleep. But then what woke me up was when he called out my name. He called my name out about me being saved and born again and accepting Christ. And it was at that moment I woke up. And as he was praying, I felt convicted. And I began to weep and cry. And it was at that couch that I accepted Jesus Christ and I was delivered from sin. As a young little boy, my life changed. Ever since then, there has been many other times that God's had to deliver me because I'm not the smartest dude on the block. I'll just tell you. But here's what I want to challenge you with this week. Your seven-day challenge is to tell someone your story. I'm not asking you to go tell them about Jesus or ask them, uh, you, you know, lead them through the Romans road and, and, and tell them here's how you can be saved. The seven-day challenge is simply this. Tell someone your story. How you were delivered by Jesus Christ. Remember it, celebrate it, and go tell someone. That's the truth that we can get out of this scripture today. As Gina comes, as he, she plays today. I don't know what you might be struggling with. I don't know where you may have been or what might have been going on in your life. 
I'm not sure what your ups or downs have been. But I can tell you that Jesus wants to help bring deliverance into your life. He wants to help bring victory into your life. We can see how He worked in Exodus chapter 12. And it's not just limited to that day, but it's real for this day. For 2020, July the 5th, the power of God to deliver and bring victory is just as great today as it was that night when Moses and all the children of Israel marched out of Egypt. What do you need? What do you need from Jesus today? How do you need to be delivered? As we stand and as we pray, take this moment. What do you need to say to the Lord right now? How do you need prayer? This morning, a couple of our deacons, maybe their wives or something will come down here. If you need prayer, would you come today? When I start praying, don't wait for me to finish. Just come on down. It's a time for prayer. It's a time to turn our hearts to the Lord. So would you move just as soon as I begin to pray? And if you're at home, would you just pray right here and right now? Heavenly Father, we come to you knowing that you are God. You alone are God. Father, there's a lot of things that many people are waiting on. Some of them are small, some of them are big in our definition, but to you, they're all small. And God, you've got a great plan. And Lord, we pray that we will turn our hearts and our minds to obey you and follow your plan. we as humans, it's hard for us to wait. Father, help us trust. Help us trust you completely. And Lord, today, if there's someone that has not taken that invitation you have given, may today be the day that they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Father, that they will simply ask you to forgive them and take over their life. This is the day of deliverance. This is the day of victory for someone. Father, your Holy Spirit work in our lives. Your eyes is on the Spirit, Lord, and it watches over us watches over me.